What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. Tigers played a ballgame last night. Tigers won a ballgame last night. Six to nothing over the Kansas City Royals. A very efficient, solid effort by the boys in the Old English D. I am going to spend a majority of the first segment talking about that game, but there were some some rather interesting things that went on uh, beyond the ball field. Some roster moves, some injuries. I'm going to talk about those primarily in the second segment, I believe, and of course I will preview uh, today's ball game as well. A battle of two rookies as Tarek Skubal faces off against Brady Singer. Looking forward to that, and I am going to talk about it, but I'll start with last night's game. Uh, an efficient shellacking. 6 nothing victory over the Kansas City Royals. Tigers came to play. I mean, right away, the offense was clicking. Outside of Victor Reyes, who was 0-5 despite having a, a few really hard-hit balls, uh, everyone in the lineup 2-8 through eight, uh, got hits. Everyone was on base. Everyone put together good at-bats. Oh, I got to address the elephant in the room real quick. Danny Duffy did not pitch for the Royals. Apparently, there was some issue. He missed the team plane or something. I don't know if he's sick or if he's injured. But either way, he didn't pitch. And Jacob Junis, who's had a lot of success against the Tigers. I mean, he's kept his career alive uh, because of the success he's had against the Tigers. Did not have it last night. That slider was not getting over for him. He wasn't locating it. And when he doesn't locate that, he becomes a, a rather inefficient, a predictable pitcher. And, that, and even an offense as average as the Tigers can tee off on that. And they did. Great games by Willie Castro. Great game by Miguel Cabrera. Another three-hit night for Jamer Candelario. His average is now up to three 33. What an incredible turnaround Jamer has had. This is, look, even if he gets on a cold streak here the last 12, 13 games of the season, this has been a humongous step forward for Jamer Candelario. I mean, I, I think if we're talking about guys whose stock has risen and fallen the most during the 60-game campaign, I would say Jamer's has probably risen the most. And Boyd, while I will talk about him in a second, he's, he pitched very well last night, his has probably dropped the most. You know, it was one of those games where you just you did you did feel comfortable watching it, and, the, and there were some high leverage situations even late in that game when it was you know four or five nothing. But it was one of those games where I felt like they had it in control, and that's rare for this team. I always when I watch this team, even if it's a one run game or a five run game, I'm always like, man, they can blow it. They, they can find a way to cough this up. It was a very comfortable, efficient effort by the ball club last night. I think the day off probably did them some good. It wouldn't surprise me if they had some sort of meeting or, or talking to because they just seemed more focused. And look, it, it's hard to look focused when you're going up against a team like the White Sox, a team that is infinitely better than you. But one thing about the White Sox series that I noticed was that they seemed a bit a, a bit out of it in the last two games. I, I mentioned this, I think, if not on yesterday's pod, the day before, it kind of felt like they lost game one three times. Like, they lost a very close 4-3 ball game against the White Sox when Mize had a no-hitter through five innings. And the next day, you get shellacked 14-0, and it just seemed like they didn't really bother showing up for Sunday's game either. That was the type of loss that we've seen from this team for a long time, but especially over the last couple of years where they get into those ruts. This team, and it's the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team, they are capable of bouncing back from, from difficult stretches. And they did last night. A very efficient, a wonderful performance by the offense and, and a very good bounce-back performance by Matt Boyd. Only two hits. Command wasn't great. Four walks, five strikeouts, in five and two-thirds innings, but no no runs. And, and Matt Boyd, I, I tweeted this out, and I think I will stick with this until the end of time. There is no pitcher in baseball weirder than Matt Boyd. 
Matt Boyd, it, it seems there's no in-between with him this year. You, you either get a guy who looks like a legit ace, or you get a guy who doesn't even look like he should be pitching in double-A. He is so remarkably frustrating. Now, I give him a lot of a lot of credit for the fact that since those first four starts where it seemed like he was being remarkably stubborn, he's finally at least made the attempt to make some adjustments. I think that's very important for him. That slider was his bread and butter pitch a year ago. It hasn't been a good pitch for him so far in 2020. And you saw last night more curveballs, more changeups, mixing speeds better. It's yeah, I've talked about it before. It's the most important thing with him. He does not have overwhelmingly good stuff. He does not have Chris Sale stuff. You know, he's not, you know, David Price when he was really dealing. Guys who had 96, 97, 98 mile per hour heaters, guys who could just rear back and blow guys away. He's got to be crafty. Now, that doesn't mean he's incapable of, of getting strikeouts because, I mean, he had well over 200 a year ago, but his command needs to be very good and he needs to be uh, unpredictable as a pitcher. I think his predictability has been one of the reasons why he's gotten beat around so bad this season. It was a very good performance. You would have liked to have seen him get that last out and be able to go six scoreless, but I'm not going to knock him uh, that much. It was was a tremendous bounce back. He's just so frustrating because if he was was consistently trash, we could just view him as consistently trash, as, as as a gas can, oil can Boyd, if you were. You know, you'd look at him the way you look at Ryan Carpenter or something. And if he was very good, you would view him as like, okay, well, this guy might not be an ace, but maybe a, a number three or a number four in a solid rotation. But he, there's there's so many ups and downs with him. Sometimes I think he's great. Sometimes he's absolute trash. We got good Matt Boyd last night. And that was that was a nice surprise because, for one, he had a, he had a long first inning, gave up a double to start the game against Whit Merrifield, nearly a home run. And that was a team that he'd struggled against uh, throughout his career and especially last season, which many people considered to be, including myself, one of the better seasons he'd had at the major league level. Uh, a good start for Matt Boyd. His second win of the season, you know, hopefully, I think there's no guy on the team right now who I would like to see kind of finish strong here uh, more than I would like to see Matt Boyd kind of finish strong. Get get some sort of silver lining as he goes into the 2021 season. One more thing to report on, Matt Harvey pitched out of the pen, two-thirds of an inning, three hits, one run, zero walks, and two strikeouts, got taken out of the game with an injury. That's so sad to me. And Matt Harvey, like, I think that there were some psychological issues. Uh, you know, I think he was a bit of a head case. I think he was a bit a bit stubborn, maybe a bit, maybe a bit full of himself, and, and one of the reasons why uh, he's gotten himself into this predicament as a pitcher. But I also think for the most part it's just been injuries and, and inconsistency and, and lack of health. This was a guy who was looking like he was going to be in Hall of Fame level pitcher, right? And he's completely fallen apart. And it's very sad to watch. And I said this in my post game, but if it was Verlander at this point in his career doing something like that, you'd say, well, hey, you know what? You had a long career. That's the sport of baseball, right? You have your time, you have your prime, and then you, you kind of fall off. That's that's the, the, the natural life of an athlete. But Harvey's prime was so short-lived. And he, he came back from injury in 2015, looked great, pitched really good for them in the postseason. And he's just fallen apart ever since. If you would have told me five years ago that in 2020 Matt Harvey was going to be pitching in garbage time as a reliever for the Royals, I uh, I, I would have had trouble believing you. You know that's that's the cruelty of baseball for sure. A, a sad story, Matt Harvey now of the Royals, and and he got taken out with injury. Uh, again last night and uh, it didn't look great so uh, that will do it for segment number one when I get back I'm going to talk about some roster moves that the Tigers made a very interesting one uh, especially at catcher so we'll discuss that when we get back
The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And we're back. So I do want to say Jonathan Scope was put on the injured list with a wrist injury. Uh, Frustrating and disappointing because of how good he'd been this year. But with that said, I think it might be a bit of an explanation for why he struggled so much. Really over the last week plus, he had not been very good. Definitely not the kind of player that he'd been uh, so far this season. I mean, he'd been great the first 40 or so games and uh, fell off in the last week. So I hope he gets healthy. I hope he turns it around. I like Jonathan Scope a lot. I'd like to see the Tigers re-sign him to another one or two year deal, quite honestly. But the, the key move outside of Nico Goodrum being activated, and he played yesterday and played a good game, was that the Tigers optioned Grayson Griner down to the alternate site and called up Eric Haas. Eric Haas, formerly of the Cleveland Indians, minimal uh, major league experience. But apparently, you know, Lynn Henning at least was singing his praises in Toledo from the reports he was getting. Like, I, I, sure, I, I'm, I'm happy for Eric Haas. Good for him. I don't think he'll he'll be much here, but it's a nice little story, Michigan native. This, to me, and people disagree with me maybe a little bit, disaster for Jake Rogers. Absolute disaster. I don't think you can paint it any other way. The fact is, a year ago at this point, the Tigers handed Jake Rogers the keys and said, you're the catcher of the future if you want to be. And guess what? He was a disaster last season. He was truly, truly awful in terms of of the at-bats he had. You know, I'm sure there were very few players in baseball over that time period that were as bad as he was. I get it. And even, he didn't even impress me that much defensively either. I mean, very small sample size, but I, I, to me, the, the amount of games he played in was definitely not enough to warrant a team essentially giving up on him, especially not, you know, a year later saying, well, we're going to give Eric Haas an opportunity over Jake Rogers. Now that's where you get to the mystery box. And that is Toledo. Nobody knows what's happening in Toledo. You know, all, all you get are the reports from Avila where you'll ask, hey, how does Torkelson look? Hey, he looks good. And, and you can't, and first of all, he's not going to say he looks terrible, right? That's not his MO. It's a very frustrating thing. I mean, this is the same guy who said that Casey Mize was down in Toledo to work on his pitch count and they called him up four days later. So we know he lies. But I, I don't think the Tigers came into 2020 under the impression that, Jake Rogers was going to be a guy that they were going to give up on. I don't think they came into 2020 under the belief that Jake Rogers wasn't going to see a major league field in 2020. And it makes me think one of two things has happened. One, either Eric Haas has absolutely hit the cover off the ball down in Toledo, has been so good, so incredible, and so wonderful that they have forced the Tigers to call him up. Maybe he's just been that good. I have a hard time believing it because we're kind of late into the season, but sure, that's option one. Or there's option two, and to me, this is the more likely option. Jake Rogers has just been that bad that Eric Haas is is the, the, the better option right now. Because Grayson Griner is not a major league ball player. It is stunning to me, stunning, even during full tank mode, which is what the Tigers have been in over the last several years, 
that they have that this guy has survived as long as he has. He's not good at all. And it is pretty darn sad that Jake Rogers can't beat out Grayson Griner or Eric Haas right now. Like that's very disheartening to me. And look, I have been as critical of the Tigers development of position players and pitchers as well over the last several years. This one to me uh, this this falls more on Jake Rogers. Like like either you got it or you don't. Jake Rogers is 26 years old, guys. And look, I'm not completely counting him out. Maybe he'll find something. Jesus, the guy's changed his swing a million times uh, since he's been uh, in the Tiger system. So maybe he'll make a change again and something will work out. But you are absolutely lying to yourself if you categorize this as anything other than a massive surprise and a massive disappointment for Jake Rogers in 2020. This is a truly stunning development to me that some dude who was in the Cleveland organization who I think got released by them or put on waivers is is getting the call up before your supposed catcher of the future is getting called up. I'm not going to completely give up on him, but I, I will say I think the chances of Jake Rogers turning into a starting catcher at the major league level right now are at about 1%. Because of his defensive prowess, I think it is entirely possible that he could be a backup here at some point. I think that would be a wonderful thing. Let's say, hypothetically, Illich finally opens the checkbook and they sign JT Rio Muto, right? Which, to me, should be their number one priority in the offseason. Let's say they make that move. Jake Rogers as a backup, a great defender. Hey, I'd be totally fine with that. But as a hitter, I don't know, they've given him a lot of chances. They acquired him three years ago, guys, and they've given him opportunity after opportunity. They kept him in the minor leagues forever. They gave him a major league call-up. They had him in the uh, Toledo in the alternative site this year. He just hasn't stepped up, and it's it's monumentally disappointing. Another part of the Verlander deal that is shaky at best so far. All right, let's move on to tonight's pitching matchup. You have Brady Singer. Going for the Kansas City Royals, he comes in with a 2-4 record and a 4-6-6 ERA. Singer nearly threw a no-hitter on Thursday in Cleveland before giving up a single to Austin Hedges with two outs in the eighth inning. The 24-year-old ended up throwing eight shutout frames and struck out eight. He's got great stuff. I, I like this guy a lot. I thought he was, a, he was a very good pickup for the Royals in the 2018 draft. Same draft class, of course, as Casey Mize. Nearly threw a no-hitter last time out. It does need to uh, be brought up that he threw nearly 100, or maybe over 120 pitches his last time out. To me, malpractice by the Kansas City Royals. I mean, a horrifying, horrifying move for a pitcher that you want to uh, bank on as being a long-term guy. I think that was disgraceful, and it wouldn't surprise me if they have him on kind of a short leash tonight because of that. Going uh, for the Tigers, you have Tarek Skubal, 1-2 with a 7-2-7 ERA. Skubal has had the ups and downs of a rookie, following up six innings of one-run ball against the Twins with six runs and four walks over two-plus innings against the Cardinals. Seven of his final nine batters reached base safely against St. Louis with three walks. He was abysmal his last time out. I mean, truly abysmal. As bad a start as you're going to see, not just from a rookie, as bad a start as you're going to see from any major league pitcher, dude. He could not. I'm angry thinking about it. Could not throw his fastball for strikes. He's got a fix that. I think the Royals lineup is a, is a good uh, matchup for him, I think. I hope so. He's just got to get his stuff back. He's got to get his command back. If he goes out tonight, right, and gives up eight hits over four innings, I, I won't be happy with it, but I will be more accepting of it if he's at least throwing strikes, if he's at least getting ahead in counts, because that was so not at all what he was doing 
his last time out. Pretty, pretty darn pathetic. I still like the guy a lot. I, I hope he reverts back to the pitcher we saw against Minnesota the other week where he was brilliant. I think that would be a, a wonderful step forward for the kid. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. And also, I have a personal YouTube page as well. You can subscribe there. The link to that is in my bio on my personal Twitter Thank you very much for listening. I will be right back here tomorrow recapping the battle of the rookies. Thank you very, very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.